Log Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. And welcome to our virtual living room where we examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ, and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. At this point, let me remind everyone in the audience that the chat room is open and available for your comments or questions. This week's topic has to deal with something that occurred Early this year, in fact, it was on the very first day of the year, on New Year's Day, and there were a couple of people who got married uh, in the Episcopal Church. And probably the first question to come to your mind is, why is that news, why is that worthy of uh, a program on Blog Talk Radio in the virtual living room? Well, the reason why is because these two people that got married, happen, turns out they're lesbians, and they are also clergy members. And in the mind of some people, you might still say, so what's the big deal? You know, I mean, in some states, same-sex marriage is legal, right? Well, that's correct. But there are people that still contend about this very same subject. And joining me today in the virtual living room to discuss this, we have first off our brother Abaja. Hey, shalom to everyone in the chat room. Shalom to our listeners. It's good to be here and most high, most high name Christ bless everyone for the uh, edification that we can get through the scriptures. And we also have with us Kabar. Yes, shalom brothers and sisters, good to be with you. Giving all praise to the Most High in Christ for the opportunity to bring forth the doctrine of Christ. And also with us in the virtual living room, we have your Yo- Jonathan. Yes, giving all praises to the Heavenly Father and the Son Christ. Welcome to um, all the listeners, blog talk. Blog Talk listeners, glad to be here today. Brothers, what I'd like to do, uh, first of all, uh, to really bring the audience up it, up to speed, uh, first I'm going to go ahead and, and post uh, a link to the article that we got this information from in the chat room, and that's posted now. And then I want to read uh, a, a few paragraphs here uh, so that uh, we can kind of get a gist of what's going on here. Uh, the title to the article is Two Lesbian Episcopal Clergy Marry on New Year's, and this was written by Lillian, Lillian Kwan of the Christian Post Reporter. And it reads, uh, Two Lesbian Episcopal Priests Kicked Off the New Year by Marrying in Massachusetts. The Very Reverend Catherine Hancock Ragsdale, Dean and President of Episcopal Divinity School, and Mally Lord, Canon to the Ordinary, married on Saturday at St. Paul's Cathedral in Boston in front of nearly 400 guests. The Right Reverend M. Thomas Shaw, Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Massachusetts, solemnized the marriage. For Orthodox Anglicans, the I'm sorry, for Orthodox Anglicans, the lesbian union was another act of defiance. This is another action of reckless disregard for the life of the Anglican communion and the authority of the Bible 
by the Episcopal Church. The Right Reverend David C. Anderson, President and CEO of the American Anglo Anglican Council, told the Christian Post, they continue to ignore the communion's pleas for restraint and continue to go their own way. The Episcopal Church in the U.S. defines marriage as between a man and woman. But in 2009, the national body passed a resolution allowing bishops, particularly those in civil jurisdictions where same-sex marriage and civil unions are legal, to provide generous pastoral response to meet the needs of members in this church. That year, Shaw gave the green light for clergy in the Diocese of Massachusetts to solemnize all marriages. Same-sex marriage was legalized in Massachusetts in 2004. Within the Episcopal Church is nothing new, and such actions have drawn rebuke from the wider Anglican Communion, which is comprised of more than 77 million members worldwide. Anglican leaders worldwide agreed to a moratorium on the blessing of same-sex unions in 2004. They also agreed to practice restraint on the consecration of bishops living in same-sex relationships. But the U.S. body has continued to defy the moratoria to the frustration of conservative Anglicans. Robert H. Lundy, spokesman for the American Anglican Council, noted that the Episcopal Church has long blessed same-sex unions. But the latest union between Ragsdale, 52, and Lord, 57, is being touted as a marriage and the first lesbian marriage of two senior Episcopalian clergy at that. For many people, this is splitting hairs, Lundy commented. It may be the first, the first time it's been called a marriage, but it's nothing new. All this will do for others around the communion is further illustrate what we've been saying here, he said. And the ACC has long stated that the Episcopal Church has departed from traditional Christian and Anglican communion teaching. For most people, yeah. they already broke the camel's back a long time ago, Lundy said. Last year, the Episcopal Church consecrated its openly gay bishop despite calls by the wider Anglican Anglican communion to practice gracious restraint. As a consequence, the Episcopal Church was suspended from participating in ecumenical dialogues or stripped of any decision-making powers on the Inter-Anglican Standing Commission on Unity, Faith, and Order, a body that examines issues of doctrine and authority. Okay, I said I was going to only read a couple of paragraphs. But then as I started getting through it, I realized that it's probably best to go ahead and bring all of this out so that the audience will know right up front about the, the various little nuances concerning this uh, whole situation. So the first thing that comes to mind here is, you know, why is this particular marriage causing so much contention? Because, you know, as far as I understand, brothers, they're not violating any any laws, anything in the United States. I mean, same-sex marriage in, in Massachusetts, either where they got married, was legalized in 2004. So, Abaja, what's the problem here? Well, <clears throat> I'm gonna start off with Romans chapter three, and I'm gonna read verses three and four. It says, "For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect?" Verse four. 
God, but God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy saying, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Because when Paul was dealing with this subject, he was dealing with basically the issue of salvation being uh, allowed to come to the Gentiles or those of Israel that were scattered abroad, and not just for those who knew that they were Israel and were part of the Levitical priesthood. But the point is still the same because a lot of people don't want to believe the scriptures. A lot of people don't want to believe it as it is written to make up their own doctrine. Because that's why he said, about, that's what he said about their belief, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect. He says, God forbid, meaning no. Okay, the Lord forbids that. He says, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar as it is written. So that means that if we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves believing, you know, uh, wanting to believe in this Bible, then we have to let God be true as it is written. Why? It tells us in the latter part of verse 4, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So the justification is not us coming with our own doctrine or not us coming with our own reasoning on why we are allowed or not allowed to do certain things. And to be overcome when we are judged is basically going into when people say, well, that's not right, or, well, how do you know that this is right? When people judge, basically, when you know, pick apart and say what's right or wrong, we always refer back to what's written in the scriptures, which is the word of the Heavenly Father, because that's what we're all supposed to be following. So now, having said that, the question you asked was, what is wrong with that? When you read back into Genesis, when he formed Adam, I'm going to read that. Okay? And I'm just going to go straight to the point. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And all throughout the scriptures, when you look at a marriage, the examples that are given are between a man and a woman. You do not see two men getting married. That's called fornication or that's called sodomy. And you don't see two women getting married in the scriptures. That's also, that also falls in the line of fornication. So what they're doing, according to the scriptures as it is written, is... Uh, is fornication And that should not be allowed in the church They're breaking the commandments Of the Heavenly Father Okay but but they're not violating Any, any laws in the United States right As far as you know Well the laws of the United States Are the laws of the United States It's not about them being arrested As far as the laws of the land Okay well, it, it may, It's legal to do a lot of things According to the law of the land It's legal to for two people to uh Engage in, in consensual premarital sex But according to the Bible That's labeled as fornication as well So okay. this issue has nothing at all To do with the legality As far as the uh, secular world is concerned It has to deal with the legality According to the scriptures And those that profess themselves to be Christians And holding up this Bible in their hands And preaching the word of God and If I could okay. add a point here Absolutely You know and like you said, I, I understand the emphasis is on the, 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 the United States law. But, I mean, for us, and if you're planning and hoping and wishing for the world to come, the world which Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible is going to rule from one end of this earth to the next, and, and you, you, you're preparing your life in, in, the, in the name of repentance in, in the Christ of the Bible, this stuff is all 100% 180 degrees away from the righteousness of the Heavenly Father. So it's, it's not about 
we're, we're not about, oh, it's, it's okay in this world. We're talking of the world to come. In, in this world here, you, you can do what you want to do, but according to the scriptures, you can't do all the things which you want to do that are against what the Heavenly Father commanded us and um, in, um, ordained for man to keep, okay? The children of Israel chiefly and all others, okay? Because we all are supposed to follow the word of the Heavenly Father. And, and according to this, 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 this thing, that this subject that we're speaking of is, is off. It's wickedness. And it, and it won't get, and you think you're planning for that kingdom to come, you're going to be judged unworthy for that kingdom. Okay. Now, John, I hear what you're saying, but can you see how somebody might listen to you and they might say, well, John, those, those are your words. Uh, these people, why should they have to strictly go by the Bible? You know, they, they are clergy, members of the clergy. They are high up in the church. Shouldn't they have the moral sense and so forth to understand what's right and wrong and to go about doing so? And can't, shouldn't we have enough sense to go ahead and trust that since they're high up in the clergy and so forth, that they're exercising that righteous moral sense, and there's nothing wrong with what they're doing? Well, you, who's clergy? We've got questions to ask. Who's clergy? Is it, is it the, the body of the, the Christ or the Bible, or is it something man came up with? Is it, what did Christ say his establishment says the rules of doctrine? Is it going with that? Just because someone says that they're of the clergy, clergy, what clergy are we speaking of? Satan? Okay, so it, so the thing is, Christ left us clear examples of things to set up his, his body in. And, and one of these things is not lesbian marriage, much less uh, two men married, because those things are just the word of the Heavenly Father. Okay? Those things, we can, we can get into that. That's, it's clear. It's, it's very clear. So there's a problem, and there's something that's got to be corrected. It ain't the word of the Heavenly Father, so guess who is us? Okay. All right. Yes, sorry. Can I, can I John, answer that John. question directly? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you said you oh, may ask right. the question, you know, with them being the clergy are very high up, they should, of all people, know the scriptures more so than anyone, right? Exactly. So, I mean, not only know the scriptures, but actually have been exercised in a sense about what's right and wrong, so that people can look at look to them as an example, and and uh, and have and, and be able to trust that they're going to have a correct example because they are high up in the clergy. I mean, they you know they've been in this stuff. They're professionals mm-hmm. at it. You know, more okay. so than anybody else. You know, you got the laymen in the church, and then you got the pros, and they're, they're supposedly the, they're, the, they're the pros. So why uh-huh. can't you look to them and say they made this decision? It's an example. It's a decision I can trust. Okay, well, let's read Malachi chapter two, verse seven. This is what the Lord said concerning the clergy or the priests. Malachi chapter two, verse seven: For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So the scriptures clearly tells us that those people in that position of a priest, okay, that they should keep knowledge. The knowledge that it's talking about, it tells you further on that they should seek the law at his mouth. So the knowledge that we as people are going to seek of these priests is the knowledge of the laws, statutes, and commandments of the Heavenly Father and how to receive that salvation. Okay, it says why? It says, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So it's showing you that, yeah, they're supposed to know and understand what is right and wrong, but according to what? According to the Bible, not according to their own mind. But let's read verse 8. It says, but ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, said the Lord of hosts. So now, here the Lord was dealing with the priests in the nation of Israel 
when you say that they have corrupted the covenant of Levi, it's showing you even back then our people were not following the commandments. They were uh, breaking his commandments and committing all types of atrocities such as idolatry and fornication and things of that nature. But the same thing is happening now because the priests were supposed to direct the people in the commandments of the Heavenly Father, and now in these days and times the priest's job has not changed. But the priests are still doing the exact same thing. They're causing the people to stumble at the law because you won't read anything about our Lord Jesus Christ uh, condoning these acts. Because okay. he's the law now. <laughs> what he says goes. And he didn't say anything contrary to what was written in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, he came and gave us the, the full understanding of it in, this, uh, in that reformation of the New Covenant. Okay. All right. Kabar, I, I hear what Abijah's saying here. Okay. But when you take a look at the church, what you see is not only situations where you have uh, lesbians and, and, and gays and so forth in the church, but you also have people that are divorced in the church, and the Bible speaks against that. But where do you ever hear anybody having any real objection about somebody who's divorced remarrying in the church? You just don't hear about it. So now, if those things are not addressed, why is anybody, why are people getting up in arms about somebody deciding that, you know, uh, we're same sex, they love each other and all this stuff, they want to get married, so why is that a problem? These other things continue to go on. I mean, you've got, you've got people, they have sex before marriage. They have sex with people who they're not married to while they're married. And then they divorce and then go and marry somebody else. And the scripture tell you, clearly tells you that that's adultery unless you divorce for the, for the reason of fornication. And, and this is the issue that we're dealing with today. We're talking about just one issue among the many uh Problems or sins being allowed to be committed in the so-called churches of the world today. If you go back to the article, uh, you hear a lot of many statements that so-called uh, church leaders or or people on councils are saying um, uh, the communion acts and you know there's to exercise restraint, uh, resolutions being made. That allows people to do to um you know uh, hold these uh, uh, um, ceremonies that allow same sex marriages to go on. You see a lot of man made uh um traditions of men and commandments of men being obeyed rather than the commandments of God, and that's what Christ stated against when you look at Mark the seventh chapter and on and on in the scriptures is that Men are upholding the commandments of men, like the scripture says, full well, you, you you put away the commandments of God that you may keep your own traditions. And that's all we're seeing in the churches today. It's not about putting one sin over the other or illuminating one over the other. It's about looking at what's according to the scriptures and what's not and getting rid of the sins that are being committed in the churches so that it can be the body that Christ said it's supposed to be. So we're just dealing with this one issue. There are many issues. Some of them you've already raised. Now, with this one particular issue, we're dealing with so-called same-sex marriage. There is no such thing. When you look in the scriptures, marriage is only between a man and a woman now in Christ under God. That's it. Anything outside of that, the scriptures call that fornication. Hebrews 13 and 4 tells you marriage 
is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So marriage, as the Bible clearly defines, is a man and a woman under God, according to his commandments in Christ. That's marriage. Anything outside of what I just stated, according to the scriptures, that's dishonorable, the bed is defiled, you are a whoremonger or an adulterer, you are a fornicator, and like the scripture says, God will judge. Like this situation we're reading about here. There's so many things wrong with this. Number one, you got two women coming together in a union and wanting to call it marriage. That's one thing that's wrong with it. The second thing is that they commit a fornication. Another thing is that they that not only the uh, elders or deacons so called are allowing it to happen, but the congregation is allowing it to happen. And these women shouldn't even be in the positions of deacons and elders in the first place, according to the scriptures. You go into Timothy's chapter, First uh, Corinthians, I'll start, chapter 14, verse 34. And this is just one of the issues that's wrong with this situation that we're reading as far as one of the commandments also being broken as far as how Christ set up the churches. So we know these women are committing fornication. We know that it's not marriage that they're doing, but they actually promote a for, uh, uh, wickedness of fornication. But another thing that they're doing is they're taking a church out of order. First Corinthians 14.34 tells you, Let your woman keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If you want clarification, Go to First Timothy chapter four and eleven and twelve. It tells you, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, what is that actually talking about? Were you in in First Timothy about the qualifications of the deacon and bishops and elders, and they're speaking about men that are going to be in these positions. Like it always has spoke about men in these positions since Genesis, and nothing has ever changed from that. And they gave you the qualifications before these men can even take these offices. And women were not supposed to hold these offices. That's why this, these scriptures are written, because things were being taken out of order. Men wanted to exercise, women wanted to exercise their own so-called liberty, and, and, you know, uh, freedom for all, but they're doing it in the wrong type of way. And that's why uh, the brother Spurs spoke to Paul to put these things back in order. Now, now there is, there is an office for women, and there is a portion that they're going to be teaching, but it's not in the capacity of a deacon or a bishop or an elder. Titus, the second chapter, gives you that office that the women were going to be keeping and their capacity of teaching when it tells you Titus chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, The age women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not giving too much wine, teachers of good things. Okay? So they're going to be teachers of good things. But to who and what capacity? Verse 4, Titus chapter 2, it says, That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So if they're doing anything outside of this or breaking any of this, then what are they doing? 
they're causing the word of God to be blasphemed because they take the Bible in their hands, but they live a life of sin like we see these two women in this church doing. Okay. Now, you just opened up a whole other can of worms, which we're not going to address. And we do have uh, a visitor to the virtual living room. Uh, before we get to that visitor, uh, what I'd like to do is to um, uh, go to a, a break. Um, and um, after we come back from the break, we'll get back to the visitor. But let me let everyone in the audience know that what we're discussing right now is a situation in the Episcopal Church where on New Year's Day, there were two clergy members uh, who happened to get married. And you might ask, why is that a problem? Well, the, the problem, the controversy is these two clergy member, members happen to be of the same sex. They're lesbians. Uh, these, this, We are the brothers in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church, and we will be back with you shortly. If you've enjoyed today's program and you live in the Atlanta area, we invite you to view our public access television program. For Fulton County, please tune into Body of Christ on People TV, Channel 24, every Sunday at 1.30 p.m. Or for DeKalb County, on Comcast Channel 25, every Monday at 2 p.m. And now back to today's show. The Body of Christ Church invites you to listen to all our programs on Blog Talk Radio. These programs are meant to edify the listener regarding repentance and good works that come to the Holy Scriptures. The weekly program schedule is Sunday at 2 p.m., Tuesday at 8 p.m., Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m., and Saturday at 9 a.m., all Eastern Standard Time. Our Spanish broadcast is at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time each Saturday at blogtalkradio.com slash ICDC. Please accept our invitation to call in to our show at 646-716-7749. Your comments or questions are eagerly encouraged, whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. Again, call in now. Please dial 646-716-7749.
before we uh, went to break, we did have a visitor to step in uh, to the virtual living room. And visitor, you are coming to us uh, from uh, area code 111. Looks like you dialed in from your computer. So if you would go ahead and give us your name and your coming a question, please. Okay, hey, my name is Lee. I'm calling from Memphis. Thanks for allowing me on. Okay, Lee, welcome. Thank you. Uh, listen, very few times is Jesus ever – got a comment. Very few times okay. is Jesus ever mentioned marriage in the Gospels. Uh, but if you go to – if we look at Matthew 19, verses 1 through 6, you have Pharisees that challenge Jesus on marriage. Is it, is it, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And I think it's really, if people look at this, Jesus refers back to Genesis 2:24, where he says, For this reason a man shall leave his mother and father, cling unto his wife, the two shall become one flesh, and so on. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. So I, I have this, um, this little thing I do that if I want to know what God's trying to say or what God means for me in my life, I like to refer to the commandments, and then I like to refer to Genesis, the beginning of creation, to see what God meant for uh, for to see what God meant for us and how for for us to behave. For, mm-hmm. I'm tongue tied today, man. I'm sorry, but you know, no, not only in time. the Episcopal Church, brother, but if you look at some of the, the the Lutheran Church in San Francisco, and not just there, but it's spreading throughout the emergent church, and we see it spreading throughout the uh, mega churches. And what's happening is a lot of these people, like these two lesbian Episcopals, and I've had this debate with several people that call themselves gay Christians, is that they'll take that justification part of our salvation will throw away the sanctification part of the salvation. Thus they've become antinomians or against God's law and they think that the death and resurrection of Christ that that he provided for us for for the payment of our sins um is nothing more than a license to sin and that's what we're seeing in these churches today. All oh, Christ paid for my sins. He paid for them all. God will continue to forgive my sins, but there's no sanctification. You don't see any regeneration going on in their heart, and that's how it's kind of infiltrated through this uh, greasy grace kind of doctrine in that I can do what I want and God loves me, and so they become antinomian and think I don't need sanctified and glorified. Well, uh, Lee, I tell you, I, you know, I, I think uh, the brothers, do you agree with me that Lee is hitting on some very valid points here? 